All right, all right. How are we doing tonight? Man, that was a... Uh... <laughs> I hear you, Tiffany. That was some good worship, man. I, I thought about just letting them stay up here the whole night. You ought to love that, right? Did you guys have a good Thanksgiving? Everybody eat? Did y'all eat a little way too much? <laughs> way too much. I know, I think this time, this time last week I was eating some leftovers, eating way too much. Anybody else? Yeah, yeah, it was a good, good week. We missed you guys, though. Missed you guys. Glad you're back. Glad you came. Uh, those of you who don't know, Derek, Derek Otto, our pastor, he is, uh, he's in Haiti right now, kind of doing a... Um, a site visit, um, going to check out where we're going. For those of you who don't know, we're taking a mission trip there uh, over your spring break, your high school spring break. We're going there, and then also one in the summer. So he's there checking it out right now, kind of uh, planning a, a sick, nasty trip, you know. Y'all catch what I did there, sick, nasty trip. So uh, that's why he's there, and that's why you have me. So I'm going to be talking tonight. Please, uh, not everybody leave at once. Uh, I'm going to be uh, talking, and I'm excited about what... Uh, what uh, God has planned for us tonight and what he's going to say, and, and so uh, glad you guys are here. I, uh, I thought I would start off with maybe just telling you a little bit about myself. I've had the, the privilege of getting to know a lot of you and the opportunity to get to know a lot of you, and so that's been great, but many of you I haven't, and so I don't know, uh, I don't know many of you guys, and, and so that probably means you don't know me, and so you have no clue who I am. So I thought I'd tell you a little bit about uh, why I'm here. I am an intern here at the church uh, in the high school ministry department, and so the church has an internship program, and uh, yeah, thanks, John. Everybody give John a hand. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I'm an intern, and the the church has an internship program, and there's about 18 different interns that are spread out through all the different ministries of the church, and so I have the privilege of working with uh, three other interns here in the high school ministry, and these guys are... uh, some of the cream of the crop, they're some of my best friends, and, and I live with some of them, so they have to be my best friend. Yeah, yeah. So Danny and Matt, those are my boys, and John. So anyway, so that's why I'm here. I, I grew up in Swanee. Uh, well, technically Sugar Hill, actually, is where I'm from. I'm a graduate of North Gwinnett High School. We got any Bulldogs? All right. Yeah. Hey, you guys, y'all got beat, y'all got beat last weekend, didn't you? I think North Gwinnett, we're still semifinals. Is that right? Yeah. Good try, Brookwood. Good try. So uh, I'm a graduate, class of 06. And so I grew up here and then uh, spent a little time, spent two years after high school um, trying to float around, trying to see where I want to go to school. Uh, I went to Truett McConnell College my freshman year, pursued my, uh, my awesome baseball career, and then quit after that. And then uh, and came back home, started working a lot, and... I was going to Gainesville State, taking a couple classes, and then just finally said, man, i got to get out of here. And so I moved seven hours north to uh, a place called Lynchburg, Virginia, to, uh, to Liberty University. And um, that's where I finished up my college career. And up there, I, um, I was an exercise science major, and so I had plans of doing like physical therapy type stuff and, and kind of had interest in, in athletes and, and injuries and all that kind of thing. And then while I was up there, I got involved in ministry and started doing some work with high school students. Uh, Liberty University has about eight different ministry teams that they send out into all over the country, really, 
to, uh, to tell about liberty, but also spread the gospel in different ways. And seven of them are music teams, and uh, they play music. But I got on a kind of unique team, uh, maybe kind of crazy. Some of you guys think I'm a loser. But uh, I got on a team. We were a trampoline acrobatic dunk team. And so um, some of you, you may have seen it on, uh, I think there was a team on, on America's Got Talent. They're called Acro Dunk. And uh, so you may have seen a team there. They're the guys that do like halftime shows and that kind of thing. So I got on this team, and uh, we would go to schools, and we'd go to uh, different events, do halftime shows and that kind of thing. And so our purpose was it would get us in the door, and then after a show, we would share the gospel with people and tell them about Jesus and then tell them about Liberty University as well. So uh, I got on this team, and uh, this team started changing my life, and it was uh, an awesome thing to be a part of, and, and God opened many doors through that, and I got many opportunities to do different things through that. Um, Broke both my ankles. Saw lots of crazy stuff happen. Um, had some interesting. I'll tell you. I'll tell you a quick story. My first show. I'll never forget this. My first show. I've been practicing for weeks, getting pumped up, trying, trying out. Finally made the team, and, uh, and so the guys are like, "All right, you're ready to jump. We'll let you jump." And so I'm getting pumped, and and it's we go to the show. It'd kind of be like going to a prep pep rally at Peachtree Ridge or something. Just yeah. kids everywhere craziness. I'm trying to get amped up because, I mean, you ever get that nervous feeling like if you play sports or maybe you, you're a musician or you do something, you just get real nervous. I got real nervous. So I'm trying to get amped, trying to do my thing. And so here we go. It's game time. I'm the first one. We're going to start off. We do a trampoline here, trampoline here, and we're going to start off like one man runs here, jumps in the air, passes the ball. Another man runs here, and then it goes back and forth, and the last guy does a crazy trick. So I'm the first dude, right? I'm the first guy. So I'm about to start this trick off in a sick, nasty way. And um, so I run. I'm thinking I'm going to do like a double between the legs, throw it up. And then right before I get to the tramp, I'm just, I'm pumped. Right before I get to this trampoline, um, apparently, I don't know, something, but I slipped and fell. And I slipped and I just face planted straight into this trampoline. And, uh, and so I don't know if you can imagine if you had a pepper and you, you see that, you're just like, wow, what in the world? And so I'm just, I'm totally just horrified and humiliated. I'm like, all right, my fault. My fault, guys. That's my B. Uh, I'll get it this time. I'll get it this time. Let's go. Music starts back up. I'm getting pumped up again. I'm getting ready. I'm getting amped. About to bang a ring on this rim. That's what I said. And uh, so I start running again. And little did I know there was like an oil spot or something on the floor where the people forgot to clean up when they were like getting the gym ready for us. I hit the exact same spot again. And this time, I don't go flying forward. I literally slip, and I fall straight to the side and just bang my shoulder and my head on the ground. And I look up, and all my teammates are just, like, cracking up laughing. The whole place is laughing. Everyone's like, dang, man, this kid's got problems. They got to stop. They stop the whole show to get a mop out, clean the floor. Everything's just ruined. And this is my first show, and I'm surprised I got let back on the team. But that was a... Um, it was a terrible moment. So anyways, this team was awesome in my life. And uh, in this team, one time we traveled to Charlotte, North Carolina. There's a church there called First Baptist Charlotte. The youth pastor there, his name was Derek Idle. And uh, that's how I met Derek. And uh, one of my buddies was one of his former students. And so um, when I graduated and I knew the Lord was calling me into ministry, I was looking for a place to go. And I contacted Derek. And he said, man, come down here. We got an opening. And we're filling spots. So um, I went through the interview process and all that stuff. And so I got here. And that's how I'm here. And uh, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know uh, at all how that transitions into what we're going to talk about, really. 
Um, I don't have a Jesus juke for you, so I'm just going to go for it. Um, if you have your Bible, turn into um, turn to chap- or Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. I've been looking at this verse for a while now, and we're going to have it on the screen too if you don't have your Bible. But I've been kind of looking at this verse and studying a little bit, and it really has just been rocking my world for, for quite a long time. And I've been just thinking, what, what does this verse mean? Um, because I'd never heard it before. I grew up in church all my life. I never heard this verse before. And it just really slapped me right in the face. And so I want to kind of start our night off with just reading it and um, looking into it and what it means. And, you know, I think there are a lot of things, as a high school student, there are a lot of things that grab your attention, grab your affection. And, um, and if you're not careful, really what you do is you end up diving into these things. And these things grab all your attention, all your affection. And uh, you end up getting real deep into them. And so before we get into it, let's, uh, let's read Jeremiah Chapter 2, verse 13. Let me find it first. And, and just a little background for you. What had happened was, um, this, what had happened was, uh, God's, God's uh, people, his nation, Israel, had turned their back on God. And so this were, this were his people, and uh, they abandoned him, and he had done so many great things for them, but they decided they didn't, oh, shoot. So he had done uh, so many great things for him, and then, um, and then he says this verse right in the middle. He was basically bringing down his wrath on him and condemning them for uh, leaving him. I'm sorry, I just can't, I can't concentrate that's going on. Esley's the man. Check, check. That's it. Ashley's the man. Give it up. All right. So Jeremiah chapter 2, let's start reading. It says, uh, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns. Cisterns are like wells. Okay? So they've dug their own wells, broken wells that cannot hold water. I don't know if this hits you like it hits me, but I'm just like, man. I just can't believe it. Basically, what God is saying, he's saying, I am the spring of living water. I am the one that gives life. I, you know, it comes from the ground. It's living water. It's, it never stops. It's fresh. It's new. It's delicious. It's living water. And these people have abandoned him. They've left living water, and they're digging their own wells. They're going to do their own thing, trying to find different things that give them life other than living water. And so there's so many different things that pull your attention and pull your affection, and that you can get into them and try to find your value, try to find your worth, try to find your life in all these different things. And that's what God says that these people have done, even the nation of Israel. They did it. And I just think, man, this is what we do so often, isn't it? God is saying, I can give you life. I give you living water. This is what I give you. And you leave me to dig your own well, to dig your own well, searching for life, searching for water. And then not only that, if it's like that's not bad enough, this water, it says, these wells, they can't even hold water. So what that means is that you're, li- you're, digging, you're digging these wells, you're looking for water to give you life, but you're not going to find it. And so you've abandoned him, and you're doing your own thing, but you're not ever going to find the satisfaction that you're looking for. And this verse just slapped me in the face. I'm just like, oh, my goodness, man. Like, this is what we do. 
And so I started thinking, what are, what are different things, what are different wells that we dig into? I'm going to leave it here. And Peyton, I'm sorry if uh, you get water in your stuff. I'm just kidding. I wasn't really going to do that. But uh, I started thinking, what are different wells that we dig? Searching for life, searching for value, searching for words, searching for acceptance. And I got these cool little uh, buckets. Aren't they cute? Little shovels. And um, you know, I don't know if you can read, but you know, I think one of the first things, one of the first wells that we dig, especially as high school students, what you dig is you dig into relationships. You dig into a relationship thinking that if you find one companion who will love you, who will treat you special in a special way, that that person, you'll find value as a human being, as a, as a student. You'll find value as a person. And that that person will help you get to happiness, get to kindness, get to life in general. And the truth is, though, when you start digging that well, can you see that? I can't raise it higher. But see, your well doesn't hold water. When you dig into the well of relationships, it leaks, just like the verse says. You're digging a broken cistern that cannot hold water. And I know some of you are like, man, I don't, I don't care about no relationship. It doesn't matter to me. But uh, I've, been here, I've been here about six months now. And uh, I can tell you a couple conversations. In fact, just a couple weeks ago, I had a girl come up to me and uh, was just bawling her eyes out. This is an 18-year-old girl, senior high school. And she said, I just, uh, I just, just broke up, got through the relationship, and um, I'm just torn up. I'm torn up, and I can't seem to get over it. And it's just, it's just eating my heart. And, um, and I just think, man, what a tough place to be. You know, and, and I think relationships are a good thing, and obviously people get married, so at some point you've got to have a relationship and all that stuff. They're a good thing. But uh, what happens is if you start looking for that person to, uh, to give you life, to give you value, you start looking for that person to give you worth, um, they, they, can't, they can't fill your well. It's an empty well. And then often what happens is if that goes sour, um, it destroys us, doesn't it? Because we depended on that person to give us value. And, uh, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to downgrade the difficulty of, of breakups. I've been through them, had a couple of them, and I'm not talking about just little like, ah, I just don't want to be this person. I'm talking about tough tough. It's tough, right? But I'll tell you from experience, the reason why it's tough is because I dug that well so deep looking for that person to give me value, looking for that person to give me life. And I counted on that person. I put all my marbles into that relationship. And then it ended. And it was like, man, destroyed me. And so I think we dig, we dig a lot of times, we dig the well of relationships. And, um, and then oftentimes the bad thing is, is that tends to blur our decision-making, and you start making decisions that hurt you and are outside of the boundaries that God has set. And then not only do you dig that well, but you dig into poison water. That's what I think. You dig into poison water that can damage your soul, damage your heart, damage your life. And so I caution you with that to, uh, to beware of the, the well of relationships that we dig. What's another, what's another well? I think... Um, I don't know if you can read this, but um, this is the well of image. <laughs> you know, at your age, so many people, we care so much about our image and what it portrays to others. 
And uh, a lot of times that can become our main focus in what other people see in us. And it's not just, you know, I think the first thing we think about is, well, that's just girls who, who you know, they, they have to wear makeup and they have to look pretty and they have to have the best clothing and all this stuff. But the truth is, no, this can apply in so many different areas. And whether you're a dude who, uh, who, who cares the same thing about your image and you've got to work out all the time, you've got to be this certain man. I think as a man, one of the things that we struggle with is we've got to prove our manhood. We've got to prove that we're a man. Or maybe you're the person who says, uh, you know what, I've got to prove that I'm interesting. And so you're just you're loud and, and just got to be out there. And the truth is what you're looking for is someone to accept you. And, uh, and, and I'm sure you guys can imagine what's going to happen here. But, you know, you dig into that well. You start digging, looking for your value, looking for your worth as a person. And it doesn't hold water, does it? Because I'm telling you, you're not going to find life. You're not going to find it in the well of image. And, um, you know, I just think that's something that, that we go through a lot of times more than anything else. And um, from all different kinds of just a dude who wants to be accepted and he's just crazy and funny and all that kind of stuff. Or maybe you're a girl who, um, listen to me real quick, maybe you're a girl who uh, cares so much about her image that you're willing to hurt yourself, you're willing to starve yourself because you want people to see you as something. See, that's a well of image that we dig, searching for someone's acceptance, searching for someone to give us value as a person. And uh, so we dig all these different wells, and I could name plenty more. We dig a well of popularity. That's what we want more than anything else. We dig a well of, of wealth, of money. Man, if you're an adult here, can't you attest to that's what we do? Like, a lot of times money is our main focus, is what we go after, looking for that to give us value, looking for that to give us life. And this is why I think so many, you see celebrities and superstars, athletes of all this different stuff, they've got all the money, all the things they could possibly want. But what happens? You see them, all of a sudden, they, they end up on depression medication or they end up, you know, just ruining their lives or taking their lives or something. And it's like, what? You had all the money. You had all the wealth. You had all the fame, everything you wanted. What happened? It's because they dug a well that did not give water. It was a broken well that didn't sustain them. You see how this is dangerous? And so uh, I want us just to all maybe just take a, a deep breath real quick and just say, you know what? We dig wells. That's what we, can you look at your neighbor and just say, you dig wells. You dig wells. Yeah. You dig, you dig wells. The thing is, we all do this, right? We all do this. And so I think, what's the answer? Huh? What's the answer to this? How do we stop digging wells, you know? Do we just say, well, I guess I'll just uh, stop wanting to care about what I look like? I guess I just want to stop caring about relationships. Like, how do we get rid of this? And uh, the thing is, what I want us to hear tonight is that you, you will always have this thirst. You will always have the thirst to be valued, to be accepted, to be liked. But, uh, so the key here is not to get rid of it. The key is to allow Jesus to fill it, right? And so I want us to look. Um, do you guys like reading the verse in between songs? Man, I thought that was really cool, the chapter in, in John chapter 4 that the guys read, the guy and the girl read. Um, I want us to look into John chapter 4 tonight. And um, so if you would, turn there.
And many of you have heard this story before. It's the, the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. And oftentimes, um, what we talk about with this story is, you know, the fact that, that Jesus walks up to her and even has a conversation with her. And the fact that uh, he asked for water from her. Because in that day, see, Jesus was a Jew and she was a Samaritan woman. And they did not associate with each other. They're like the, the crypts and the bloods. Like, they just don't, they don't go together, you know. And so... Um, and so, less, but I think there's something more to it, because this woman, when you read the story, this woman was digging a well. She was digging a well in something, and Jesus approaches her. And so I want us to, uh, to start off reading. Let's read in verse 7. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. And before we go any further, I just want to stop and say this. Um, no matter how deep you've dug your well, Jesus is not opposed to coming up to you. You know, you may sit here and go, man, I've, I've dug a well really, really deep into relationships. I've dug a well really, really deep into image. So this no, just know this tonight as we start off, that you haven't dug it too, too far, and that Jesus is willing to step into your life. He's willing to come on the scene and to, uh, to, um, to take you away from that. And so um, let's just start with that, and then let's read on. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. And so I think the first point we come from this is why do we dig wells? Why do we dig them? And if you read the story and you read right there, the Samaritan woman, why did she dig a well? The reason was I, she didn't know who Jesus was. So I think many of us, we don't know who he is. Whether that's you, you literally have not come into a relationship with Jesus before, um, that's it. You don't know who he is. Or I'm going to say this to you tonight. Maybe you do, but maybe you have a blurred vision of who God really is. See, I don't know what you're coming into this room tonight with or, or what you think of God or, or what he looks like to you or maybe circumstances that have caused you to look at him in a certain way. But I just wonder, do we have a blurred vision of who God really is? Because this woman did. She didn't know him. And sometimes we tend to think of God as someone who's kind of like Santa. I know you've heard this, this before. Someone who kind of drops good things on the people who are doing good and the bad things on people who are doing bad. And that's a misinterpreted way of looking at who God is. And sometimes we want to shape God into being who we want him to be. And so we want to shape him into something who, or someone who is pleased with us just giving him our Thursday nights, or someone who is pleased with us just giving him our Sunday mornings. But the truth is, that's not what he's about. And so I think we have a misinterpreted view of who God is, and that's why we go to other wells looking for life, looking for value, looking for worth, is because we don't know who he is and what he has to offer. You know, I, um, when I was in college, I was, well, it was my first year at Liberty, Liberty, and um, <laughs> it was my first year there, and I lived in a house with a couple other dudes, and one thing, we were looking for a pet. We were, we were just looking for a pet because uh, we just thought it'd be cool to have a little, little dude running around or something, you know, but we, want, we didn't want a dog because they're too much work. They're too, they're too hard to take care of. And so one of my roommates got a bird, and that was annoying. We didn't like that. One of my roommates came home one day with a cat, and uh, we just sat there and looked at it for about three hours and decided we didn't want it, so we took it back <laughs> to, uh, to the place we got it. 
took back the, the little cage it came with and everything. Uh, he just wasn't going to be a winner for us. And so we were just looking. And then one day we were coming home from uh, one of our dunk trips, and we passed this farm. That's the farm on the right side. And on, in this farm, there was a bunch of goats. And uh, we were like, dude, a goat. Like, we should get a goat for a pet. Like, wouldn't that be a great idea? You don't have to take care of them. They eat grass. Like, how hard is that to take care of? And so we went home, and uh, believe it or not, Craigslist, you can buy a goat from Craigslist. And so we found a lady on Craigslist who was selling goats for uh, 50 bucks a goat. What the heck? That's an awesome deal. And so uh, there was like five of us in the house, and so we're like, dude, let's, let's get a goat. And so uh, we showed up at this lady's farm, and she actually had to make sure we weren't Muslim first because she has a lot of Muslims that call her, and they get a goat, and then they go kill it and eat it. And so she was like, I just got to make sure you're not Muslim first. We're like, no, nah, no, nah, we're not down with that. We're not Muslims. And um, so I said, we just, we just wanted it as a pet. We just wanted to hang out with it. And so we picked up this goat, and he was, a, uh, he was called a miniature Nigerian dwarf goat. He was a little black thing. He was about the size of a little small dog. And uh, he wasn't going to get any, any taller or any bigger. That's why they called him a dwarf goat. And, and, uh, and so we named him Billy, Billy Goat. And uh, we took him home. And this dude was just, he was the stuff. I mean, he was awesome. He would, he would walk up to us or he'd walk up to like furniture and he would start headbutting the furniture and stuff. <laughs> and so we tried to train him. We tried to train him how to sit, tried to train him how to do all this cool stuff. And we would take him on walks. We put a rope around his neck, took him on walks to the neighborhood. And uh, he, was, he was the jam. And, uh, and then he had these little horns, and we decided we'd paint them blue because I don't really know why. We just we thought, I mean, people dress dogs up in sweaters and stuff, so we were like, hey, we'll paint his horns blue, give him a little flavor, give him, you know, give him a little, uh, little outfit there. And I don't think the neighbors were too happy about that. But anyways, we tried to make this goat into our pet. We tried to make him into a dog, really, but he wasn't working like a dog. And he, he slept in the basement with me <laughs> in the shed, and he would, he would cry all night like a little baby. And it was sad. And finally I was like, dude, I can't take this anymore. I can't go to sleep. And so we, we built him a pen outside of like household items, paint cans and all this kind of stuff. And uh, it was going to be sweet. He could eat his own grass, take care of himself. And then the next morning we went out there and he wasn't there. And so uh, apparently he had escaped somehow. And we, we kept sending out like search parties and stuff the rest of the semester to find him. But we never found Billy. Billy was gone. And so uh, what I learned from this is we were trying to make Billy into a dog. We were trying to make him into something he wasn't. And that's what we do with God, isn't it? We try to make him into something he's not because our image of who he is is distorted. You get that? And I think, uh, you know, one of the other things, we'll keep reading here. In verse 11, the woman says, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? And this woman is not getting it, obviously. And, uh, and, I, and what I learned from this is she, she didn't think he was greater. She questioned who he was. And I think that's what we do, isn't it? Why we dig wells, why we search for life and other things is because we don't think that Jesus is greater than anything else. And if I could, I would just sit on this point all night because I think this is huge. This is what we do. And some of you are standing in this place kind of on this line, and you're like, man, I want to follow God. I want to search after him. I want to surrender to him all that I have. But I just can't, I can't give up 
all these other things. I just can't get away from this other life I've established for myself. And what you're saying is, I don't think that he's greater. I don't think that he's worthy of my life. I want to try and do both. You know, I, this is something I struggled with. I struggled with this. I remember being a senior in high school, and I remember just going, God, I think you're good. I believe in you. I really do. And I want you. I do. I want you, especially in my future, you know, when I have family. Like, I think you're the best thing for me. I want to, I want to raise my kids in church. I want to do all this stuff. Like, you're good. But right now, I just want to do my own thing. I just want to do my own thing, God. So I'm just going to set you on a little shelf. I'm going to come back to you later. But just sit there for now. What that is, I'm saying, God, I just don't think you're greater. I don't think you're greater than the life I can get in other places. And really what you're saying is, I don't think you're worthy. I don't think you're worthy of my life. And that goes back to the first point, is that we don't see him for who he really is. He's not worthy because we don't understand what he's done. See, the gospel is that you were dead in your sin. You were dead in it, and you had no hope. But someone came and rescued you rescued you from the death that you deserved because of the sin in your life. That's the gospel. And when you realize that, all of a sudden he becomes worthy. He's worthy of everything you have. And he is. But we dig wells in other things. We start searching for life in other things. We search for value and worth and acceptance in other things because we don't think he's greater. We don't think he's greater. And, uh, and so I love the, the next verse, and it's really the um, kind of like the climax of the passage. And so if you have your Bibles, follow along with me. It says, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Everyone who digs their own well, who drinks the water out of that well, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Jesus, Jesus gives the solution. He says, listen. You're going to thirst for water. You're going to thirst for value. You're going to thirst for acceptance. But you won't ever find it. You can dig and you can dig and you can dig into other wells, but you won't ever find it. You won't ever find it until you dig into the last well, Jesus' well. You see, his well doesn't leak. It's not a broken, it's not a broken well. It's the only well that gives life. It's the only well where you can find the value and the worth in your acceptance. And I just think sometimes we just don't get it. Because I read this and the woman doesn't get it. Verse 15, says, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. I think if Jesus ever had a reason to get mad at people on earth, to get frustrated, this was it. Here he is describing all this stuff, giving, uh, giving her you know, who he is and what he can do, and she still doesn't get, she thinks he's talking about actual water. I'm just like, what an idiot. Like, she thinks he's talking about actual water that you can get that you'll never be thirsty again. She doesn't get it. Do we get it? I think sometimes we don't understand really what, what the water is. Sometimes we don't get it. And sometimes, even if you're a follower of Christ, you begin to dig wells in other places, looking for value and looking for worth and looking for life. And he's saying, come on. I'm trying to show you who I am. He just said to this woman, he just said who he is and that he can offer her a solution for this thirst that she has. And she doesn't get it. 
And I think um, Jesus comes to, to the final uh, verse 16 through 18. And then it says, he told her, go, call your husband and come back. She says, I have no husband. And he said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What, if, what you have just said is quite true. And I think what, what Jesus does in this situation is he said, you know what, I've just, I've just told you what I can do for you, but you still don't get it. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put a mirror in front of you. I'm just going to put a mirror right in front of you. I'm going to let you just evaluate yourself. I'm going to let you look at your life. Look at what's going on in your own life. And here it is, you know, Jesus gets real practical. And he meets this woman right where she's at. I can't imagine, I don't know why she had five husbands, but he meets her right where he's at. And this lady had been uh, ostracized for the decisions she had made for having five husbands. And he meets her. And he puts a mirror in front of her. He says, tell me, tell me how this has gone for you. You're digging your own well. You're searching for acceptance. You're searching for value in all the wrong places. And um, so as the band gets ready to come up, I want to wrap it up. And, and so I just want to do this um, with you tonight. I want you to, to just kind of put a mirror right in front of yourself. And um, I want you to begin to just look at your own life. Because Jesus will tell you who he is, and he can point out that we dig wells, and we do all these things. But he says, in the end, I want you to see where you dig your own wells. And so tonight, what I want you to do is, um, I want you to just begin to try, kind of look at your own life and ask yourself, do, am I digging wells? What wells am I digging looking for my value Looking for life, looking for acceptance. What am I digging? Because it's true that we all dig wells, isn't it? And you'll search and you'll search and you'll search and you'll dig and you'll dig and you'll dig to try and find water that will quench your thirst for all these things. But the truth is you'll never find it. You'll never find it. And... Um, and so tonight, I know we usually, we usually come down and worship at the front. But what I want to do is I want you just to kind of stay in your spot. And um, I want you to just kind of have a moment of reflection on your own heart and your own life. And um, I want you to ask yourself, where are you, where are you digging? Where are you searching? Because you'll search and you'll search and you'll search and you'll never find it. Until you come to the one who says this. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This is what he offers. And in fact, in Isaiah he says, come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. He says, I give everlasting water. I'm a spring of water. I don't leak. I'm not a broken well. I won't fail you. I won't ever let you down. And then I love in, uh, in Revelation chapter 21, verse 5, he says this, He 
who was seated on the throne, said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Listen, listen. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost. From the spring of the water of life. To those who are thirsty, I will give water. And I think to realize if you're thirsty or not, what you have to see is are you digging wells? Where are you digging wells? Are you looking for your life and other things? Are you looking for other people to give you value? In John chapter 7, he says, On the last day of the feast, Jesus stood up and he cried out, If anyone thirsts, if anyone thirsts, no matter how deep your well is, no how much you've, you've dug your well, no matter, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. That's the invitation. Come to Jesus and drink. And don't try and find it in other things. Don't try and dig your wells in other things. Don't try and look for other people to give you value, to give you life, because it won't last. And so tonight, just for like a minute, I just want you to sit where you're at. I just want you to look at your own heart, look at your own life, and examine yourself and say, am I digging wells? Am I digging wells? And just whenever, you're, uh, whenever you feel like stand in worship, just right where you're at, stand in worship or sit in worship, whatever you feel like the Lord is leading you to do, I just want this to be a time where you can examine your own heart. Come to me, all who are thirsty. Come and drink. I see invitation tonight. So, Lord, that's what we do. Lord, we confess that we look, we look in other places, searching for life. We're trying to find our value and our worth and other things. God, but tonight, we understand and we realize that you're the only one that holds water. You're the only one that gives water that can quench that thirst and that desire. So, Lord, tonight I pray that you would reveal to us the wells that we're digging. And, Lord, that in your kindness and your grace, Would you step into where we're at? Lord, and would you feel that? Would you feel our need and our thirst?